Hello again there, Team NXT. Thank you for listening. CD, Danny Mac here, bringing you episode 118 of the UFP show all about the NXT show, the longest-running independently produced NXT podcast available, the Undisputed Future Podcast. Cannot thank you enough for joining me post-war games during this holiday season at the tail end of 2020, and I can speak for many of us listening. Thank goodness we are close to the ends. Let's not get our hopes up for 2021, but let's be thankful that 2020 is almost over. And it feels like the holiday season because we were graced with the gift of war games and great wrestling this week. It is Thursday, December 10th, recording this episode for the war games events that took place on December 6th, 2020, and the post-war games fallout from the December 9th edition of NXT TV. Now, I was going to name this episode War Games and the Casualties, but Vic Joseph and WWE NXT production beat me to it. So War Games and the Fallout, pretty traditionally named uh, post-War Games episode at this point. Been doing this for a little while. So, reviewing each and every single match, I'm not going to sit here and be like, remember that spot, and remember that spot, and remember that one, because we could be here all night, and I'll never get to the NXT television part of this episode. So, reviewing each and every single match, going to go through the biggest takeaways that I saw personally, maybe where the future goes from there, and maybe drop in a highlight or two. Starting off with the Women's War Games matchup, Dakota Kai, I'm doing this by order of entering folks, Team Loray versus Team Shotzi. It will be Dakota Kai representing Team Loray first, faced off with Ember Moon representing Team Shotzi. Then it will be the team captain herself because of the War Games advantage during the match, followed by Raquel Gonzalez, a real X-factor in this one, followed by Rhea Ripley, great standoff between these two powerhouses in this match, Tony Storm, new attitude, pretty much the same look, but the attitude really makes the look pop either way for the good or bad, and last but certainly not, and no, well, it feels like last but certainly not least, Io Shirai. Io Shirai prevented from entering this matchup on a number of occasions by outside factors, including Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell joining the Gargano family in this ruse or strange alliance of sorts. There's there's something strange, just not quite right with what's going on with one Indy Hartwell. Uh, neck brace and all, she was still managed to interfere in this matchup and make her way onto NXT TV this week. So no faults of, of work ethic. Kayfabe neck brace, I'm aware. Uh, Candice LeRae putting her body on the line, breaking her arm during this matchup in a vicious spot for this one. Shotzi Blackheart just thriving in this hardcore environment. See the monster tank that was taken to the ring and see also the senton onto array and chairs and the awkward part where you kind of know that the chairs are being moved and you see them turn around a few times and Candice had to suffer for that. Hindsight's 2020. It's, it's kind of vicious and would not recommend it now looking back at it. Perfect placement, perfect spot. Put that on the stomach or arms how Candice was intended to land fully for it because Candice is tough. She won the in, she won the tag team championships on the independent scene by herself in a hardcore environment. Just leaving a pause for anyone to laugh at the joke that I just told about a 
Never mind. Not going to get into that. Uh, the match would actually begin when Io Shirai, bearing a trash can, would enter the matchup. The meme-famous picture by now of Io Shirai diving down and onto each and every War Games opponent and teammate. And I'm sure the referee, if the referee didn't know their place. Io Shirai, just a woman on a mission to dive on somebody with a trash can from the top of the cage. Lots of lots of creativity in this one. Rhea Ripley, I could get into where Rhea Ripley deserves to be on the card, and do I... Th- there's so many... There's so many great things about the women's War Games matchup and that it was added, and it really stood out last year. Rhea Ripley got her shining moment, and this year, Raquel Gonzalez standing tall, pinning the NXT Women's Champion, Io Shirai, for the victory for Team Will Ray. Going to get into that a lot more. A couple more highlights. See the Eclipse to Dakota Kai through two chairs. Great moment. A Storm Zero crunching a trash can in a really satisfying way. Vicious and signature spots here. Really, really enjoyable match. But... Did it have to be the only women's match on this card? I don't think so. I think there could have been some shaping around that Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai could have happened on a takeover stage. I know part of Rhea Ripley not being successful against Io Shirai and her having something to say did peace in putting the War Games team together. Before you get ahead of me on that thought. Rhea Ripley, her future could have been up in the air without this championship shot that happened when it did a couple weeks back when we knew we were going to be on the road to NXT TakeOver War Games anyway. Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai, instead of being opponents first and then teammates inside of War Games, could have been opponents going into War Games We save a lot of the Rhea Ripley intrigue for post-takeover, like happens with most NXT superstars, as soon as the mat count hits three, or as soon as they tap out, because usually they're going out on their back, everybody's quick to call, are they going to show up on Raw or SmackDown this next week? That speculation could have started at TakeOver, instead of going from one NXT TV to the next NXT TV, You go from TakeOver to NXT TV, that's a reason to tune into NXT TV. Rhea Ripley's team, Rhea Ripley being unsuccessful, excuse me, at a TakeOver event, again, where does that leave? Take Io Shirai out of that matchup too. Damn, that leaves two empty spots on War Games. Oh no, that leaves two empty spots on a War Games team with the most stacked and talented women's division available on planet earth whatever are they going to do attempt to shine an actual team within the match like i'm going to name one off the top of the bat and some two who i think would blend in perfectly in this environment and get a chance to shine because of their impressive bouts on nxt tv lately my vote for this matchup would be you add another team of lacey lane and Casey Catanzaro. The Ninja Warrior inside War Games speaks for itself. 
Get Casey and Lacey in there. Use this as an opportunity to spotlight the other women's division talents. Use this as an opportunity to get a second women's matchup on a takeover card, which is well-deserved. And give Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai proper spotlight. And if I can make a prediction out of all this fantasy booking, give Rhea Ripley the title because what has been happening with her since that Charlotte Flair match. And it's always positivity first. And it's positive as a general note for the women's division. But how talent is being handled within it. I understand how young Rhea Ripley is and all of the many arguments for it doesn't have to be her time and a possibility of a slow burn and other stars can be built while she already looks and looks and walks and talks and wrestles like a freaking star. There's a lot. There's a lot of room for discussion in this women's division. But two matches on a takeover card and a chance to shine two other talents where those two talents featured in the War Games matchup could make great opponents drawing eyes to such an important event. I don't think it's too much to ask for. Now, let's say Rhea Ripley did win the NXT Women's Championship. Raquel Gonzalez got the pin for her War Games team. Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez for the championship this time around? Yes. Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please, so much that this can happen between now and then, and Raquel doesn't have to face Io Shirai for the title, and I wouldn't be upset, as long as it could come full circle somehow. Give it to me. Uh, Raquel's Raquel's a star. Raquel's got the Diesel-HBK dynamic with Dakota Kai right now, and Dakota has not been successful in her NXT Women's Championship ventures. Raquel... Pulls out a win over Io Shirai as the champion, and Dakota wants to take credit for it. Could be something there. Be a lot of things there. Raquel's one, one hell of a powerhouse talent, but I... The match with Io Shirai, as much as I'm a fan of David versus Goliath, something about this Io Shirai title reign while it's dangling in front of how Rhea Ripley is being booked just personally doesn't sit right with me. And give me your thoughts at podcast underscore UF on Twitter for any and all discussion. I will talk about the women's division for NXT, receiving tweets 24-7, responding them maybe 18-7, what am I, 19-7, what am I on, five sleep schedule if I'm lucky, maybe 20, 20 hours, seven days a week, let's say, put the, put the brand ahead of anything else, put my love for pro wrestling on the line in front of a sweep schedule. Where was I? Team Luray walking out with a victory. That's where I was. Finn Balor saying war games this past this past week. All eyes are back on the Prince. That is worth the December 9th dive on NXT. Tommaso Ciampa versus Timothy Thatcher. Now this is something that will have two points of conversation because the match was absolutely brilliant. It was a wrestling. It was a fight. It was a confrontation of two tough, rugged, completely bald and one balding and bearded brutes and just masters of their craft. Their style is very distinct. Tommaso Ciampa, his character is is easily defined at this point as just the baddest dude walking around the NXT locker room and Timothy Thatcher's character is just as clearly defined 
but just with a little bit of twist. He is the technician and the specialist and the locker room coach of all sorts. And if anybody heard that, that scared me and it ended up just being the ice maker in my fridge. Uh, But this conversation will not go cold because of distractions. Moving on. Thatcher versus Champa. After this matchup, and you could tell how well-prepared Thatcher was for this matchup, clearly studying the history of injuries to Tommaso Ciampa. The knees, the leg, the neck, the most important targeted body part in Tommaso Ciampa match, no matter how big the muscles on it have become since then, the multiple neck surgeries will always be a factor and a selling point and a target bullseye for opponents. And Thatcher being able to execute his own personal game plan and his arsenal attached to this one, that's what I looked for in this matchup, and that's where it delivered. However, despite the clear-cut game plan and the well-preyed-upon target by Thatcher, Champa somehow, someway, the shot of adrenaline quite the confrontation in the ropes big time shoulder tackles and a superplex from Champa Champa was breaking out all the offense here it was a war Thatcher's ear was bleeding after a major knee by the Sicilian psychopath this was a straight up fight a point worth repeating no style points here just flashing back to the matchup as nose-to-nose, battling it out as it could be, down to the last possible moment. Thatcher, just a victim of one too many chops and a widow's bell. Willow's Willow's bell. One, two, three. It spells a win for Tommaso Ciampa, but it also shapes another loss at another takeover for Timothy Thatcher. My prediction was Champa in this matchup. My head said Champa. My heart was kind of saying Thatcher in this one because of how much I think he needs a win here. His biggest win, he's been on the takeover stage, but his biggest win has still been the first and only fight pit match in NXT history so far against Matt Riddle. Thatcher is due for a big takeover win. Clear-cut as I can make that. As clear-cut as the strategy to attack Tommaso Ciampa's neck by Thatcher, that's how clear-cut of a point as I can make on the matchup discussion here. Another loss for Thatcher at a major takeover event did him no favors. And Thatcher could have gotten the win over Tommaso Ciampa here and still, still, yes, still, be able to push along this story that Tommaso is trying to tell. He's trying to clean up the talking tough guys culture in NXT. Thatcher getting the win here. You take Champa not on TV this week. He didn't have to have his match with Cameron Grimes to get this point across. Champa loses loses to Thatcher here. And then he comes back in a week and a half or so, two weeks, and says, Okay, Thatcher is the real th- We already know this match ended in mutual respect. It could have ended that way and still moved this point along. 
Each guy has their mutual respect for each other and stare down by the end. If Thatcher is holding his neck because of a DDT, or Tommaso Ciampa is holding his surgically repaired neck sought after by one of the most technically efficient grapplers in wrestling, I don't think that second one does any problems to push the storyline along because Thatcher can move with the takeover win and Tommaso Ciampa can still clean up the talking tough guys culture in NXT because he's going after Cameron Grimes next, as we've learned on the December 9th edition of NXT. So this past week could have gotten moved up a week, get Cameron Grimes off of TV too to get over the strap match loss. And then hit the refresh button on both these guys from their takeover losses in a match against each other. Because Champa can admit that while Thatcher is the real deal in between the ropes, he's entitled or he deserves or he's proven himself worthy. However, the character of the Blackheart would phrase it that this NXT podcast host just isn't. Give credit where it's due from Champa to Thatcher for being the real deal in the ropes. And then you point to how cowardly Cameron Grimes has been acting, but despite the fact that he talks all this big talk, and Champa's going to prove why this point still stands in the match on the December 16th edition of NXT. But of course, we know that won't be happening then. couple ways to, to approach this situation as well. Thought it was a great match. Thought Thatcher could have moved along with a win, but Tommaso Ciampa winning at a takeover. Ciampa's one of the best in the game. Can't really complain much about that. Grimes versus Loomis in a strap match. This would have been the match that I take away to put that second women's matchup on the card, being Io Shirai versus Rhea Ripley for the Women's Championship. In case you were wondering why I didn't say which match I would have replaced, it would have been this one because this thing could have sufficed itself at Halloween Havoc. Grimes could have come back post-Halloween Havoc, stomping people down, talking a big game, and driving himself towards this rivalry with Tommaso Ciampa. But could also point back to coming off both takeover loss for each guy like the point I just made a matter of moments ago. Grimes will bring his own own strap to this match, and surprise, surprise, assaulting Loomis prior to the technical start of this one, unstrapped to his opponent. A lot of this took place on the outside of the ring, and Cameron Grimes just proven he's a tough guy. Once the strap was on, other than this first few minutes, I was really just investing in seeing how Loomis's character would react and blindfolded and all because the blindfold match factor in case this rivalry wasn't filled enough with haunted houses and blindfolds and straps featured in their matches um, the blind spine buster through all the punishment that Loomis received was absolutely brilliant I give two thumbs up on the response for uh, for that one Loomis will finish it up Head first into chair, followed by the silence, just to sum up this match. I thought it was fun for what it was. I 
could have done without it because I was kind of in that mindset of wanting that women's championship match on this card. But it wasn't a bad match. These are two breakout talents from the breakout tournament. Really dig what they're doing with Dexter Loomis's character. My friend is a huge fan of Dexter Loomis and even more so became one due to this match. So I was glad while watching it in War Games. I wasn't thinking about it as an NXT critic or discussion for a podcast. I was just watching it as somebody with a friend who was watching one of their new up-and-coming favorite wrestlers pick up a win at a major event. So if there's a wholesome fact that I can take away, it's that Dexter Loomis getting a win meant a lot to a close friend of mine. I'm happy. Great match between the two. Cameron Grimes should be on the up and up because he is one hell of a talent. And I'll talk about him and Champa a little more. Uh, the promo with the vulture following such a creepy silhouette. Um, Carrying Cross appearing this week while Bauer is on TV this week. Didn't shape up between the former champion and the current champion in a confrontation yet this week, but I will talk about Carrying Cross a little bit later on in the show. I want to talk about the match that I was most looking forward to outside of the two War Games matchups. Doesn't limit the card much, but I'm still going to make that point. North American Championship, Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano versus walking into this championship matchup, defending champion Leo Ruff. Shaping up this matchup primarily was Gargano versus Priest, including a huge razor's edge through the plexiglass. Yes, through the plexiglass, knocking it over, including a uh, standbyer, knocking over the second wall behind her, just adding a little bit more of a chaotic look to this scene. This match was all about trying to keep Leon Ruff as a non-factor, but the two smaller guys would have their would have their points against the larger opponent prior to Mr. Ruff's demise through the plexiglass on the outside. Leon Ruff was rough and tough out there for a little while with Johnny Gargano, really trying to take it to the much larger Damian Priest, as should triple threat matches shape up when you're facing two guys who put together arguably might just be or slightly at, just about at, maybe slightly over the weight of Damian Priest based on, based on looks and all that, um, yeah, handicap matchup for part of this was was at least necessary for a little while. But Ruff will be escorted out. Gargano and Priest having one hell of another one versus one matchup. We've seen it at a takeover already. We saw it at Halloween Havoc. Gargano and Priest do have some good chemistry. It's that weird David versus Goliath where David is a dick and Goliath's just having fun with David and uh, letting an even smaller David take over his Dodge Charger and just kind of fuck around with with actual David's mind. Anyway, that analogy spun out of control. Just like Ruff sprung back into action for this matchup. A shot of adrenaline in Leon Ruff's ass. Wow, Leon Ruff springing back in this. What a... This was a hot tag without the tag, folks. This was really fun to watch. Leon Ruff, one heck of an athletic talent. And, uh... 
really enjoyed his his performance here. Really enjoyed Leon Ruff. I thought this this angle this angle caught up to me here. I finally appreciated for what it was for the story that was told in this match. It all came full circle. I really started to appreciate it. It could be the fact that I was also personally happy with the outcome of it, which I'll get to the finish in a moment. But having my doubts about Leon Ruff and passing around the North American Championship and just using somebody as an X-Factor to mess around with Johnny Gargano, it all really wrapped up here because that X-Factor and that little catalyst for everything brought upon by Damian Priest was Leon Ruff, who was one hell of an in-ring talent. And that was shown in this matchup, and that's where I got the most appreciation for this rivalry that I have had. I was tough on Leon Ruff for that tag team matchup he had with Damian Priest against Legado del Fantasma. But the frog splash here in this matchup was way better, which I think also made a big case for why I became such an optimist about this angle coming around. Something to be expected. No disqualification. Triple threat match. You know where it's going from here, folks. We're talking about outside X-Factors. Leon Ruff in- injecting himself in the story. How about some advertisement for Scream 5 in the form of Indy Hartwell and Austin Theory. It was him, comma, Austin. It was him, comma, Austin, comma, the entire time. Predictable. Predictable. Could have been used to make a debut. I understand the the disciple sort of role. If you want to pass around Austin Theory from one stable featuring Andrade and Zelina Vega to being a Rollins disciple to being a Gargano disciple on NXT. I get where he fits in that role. But, ugh, talking about returns and it could have just been a, a certain number of people. It couldn't have been that many outside interferences. There, what other heels haven't been regularly featured on NXT that could have possibly filled in this role? I can't think of anybody. It was Austin Theory returning after pretending to quit the wrestling business. I'll touch on it, but I like the Gargano stable that shaped up. I love the Mandalorian reference that was made in forming such a four-person stable of this success. Because it has built success. Ghostface and a lead pipe in the form of Austin Theory would lead to Johnny Wrestling being not just the first ever two-time North American champion in NXT history, but Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Takeover, a man who I have had who I have seen in person have incredible matches. Yes, including Adam Cole at TakeOver 25. Yes, including Adam Cole at NXT TakeOver New York. Yes, including against Tommaso Ciampa at TakeOver Brooklyn. 
Yes, including against Andrade at NXT TakeOver Philly, of which I'm sitting in the official TakeOver chair right now. That Johnny Gargano is a three-time North American champion. That Johnny Gargano is leading a stable. That Johnny Gargano is still on NXT for good reason. Enough with the speculation. Johnny Gargano has already stated NXT for life. There's merch about it, folks. I feel like there's a case for Champa, but there isn't a case for Gargano. That's something that's debatable. That could be that could be its own episode if Tommaso Champa would fit on the main roster while Johnny Gargano stays in NXT. Or what would happen if those roles were reversed, which I really don't see happening. Maybe that's maybe that's some other uh that could be some other topic. Maybe that's maybe that's worth having a having a guest on and drumming up some content about. Keep that one in the back of your mind. But Johnny Wrestling as a three-time champion, I see Johnny Gargano being a successful champion in NXT as a good thing. I see Johnny Gargano being able to finally break the curse as a good thing. It wasn't his first title defense, but at least he went from TakeOver to NXT television to leaving and to leaving the Capital Wrestling Center still champion. We're moving along. Let's see what he does when the bell rings and the title is on the line, especially now that he has backup in the form of not just his wife, Candice LeRae, but in the form of two up-and-coming rising talents like Indy Hartwell and Austin Theory. Main event time. Main event time for War Games 2020. The Undisputed Era taking on Team McAfee, Pat McAfee, Oni Orkin, Danny Birch, and the one, the only, bruiserweight, Pete Dunne, the longest reigning UK champion. Still to this day? Is it still to this day? Let's get a timetable on that. I mean, defending the most defending champion in NXT UK history, without a doubt. Not due to anything that Walter himself can control, but just giving credit to Pete where it's where it's due. Credit to Pete where it's due comes in the form of a bitter end to Adam Cole on the chair. Pete Dunn versus Adam Cole. The chemistry just shines. Go back to Survivor Series 2019. What a matchup. If you're listening to this show and you men- and you heard me mention that match and you don't know what I'm talking about, please shut off my podcast and go watch that match. I'll take that bullet in the playtime to make sure that some wrestling fan out there gets to watch something special in Adam Cole Bebe and the Bruiserweight. The chemistry of that match shown here in War Games as well. That's takeaway one. Takeaway two, Kyle O'Reilly face-to-face with McAfee. Wow, great stuff. Kyle O'Reilly coming into his own as a singles star in the Undisputed Era. Work on the chemistry of Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish as a tag team. Let Kyle shine while building his own personality. But Adam Cole still speaks for a majority of his brethren in the dude crew in the Era Boys. That's what I want to see. 
That's what I want to see moving forward, especially with the success that this group has once again in war games. Kyle getting the win for his team, for his boys, with a huge knee to a chair placed on the face of Oni Lorcan. Oni Lorcan wanting to take a crazy spot like that does not surprise me at all. The Boston Bruiser is one tough man. Oni Lorcan kind of in a, uh, you should see the other guy, but I am the other guy also situation based on the wreckage and the carnage from this War Games matchup. They did a great job summarizing it on the past week's edition of NXT television. That anything I could say personally about this matchup really was covered. The facts and the numbers and even hearing from the superstars themselves, I can't really say much more than was already said. It was another round of violence in one of NXT's most chaotic and treasured, in my opinions, traditions at this point. Undisputed Era, successful again. Kyle Riley gets a big win for his team. And Pat McAfee, Pat McAfee looks like a star diving off that cage. Pat McAfee looks like a star getting hyped in the ca- in, in the shark cage and then letting his teammates go out so that he would be the last one on his team when the numbers game would be in his advantage and he would be fresh. Pat McAfee, one of the best heels going right now. And that says a lot about his ability, but it also says a lot that step up. Anybody watching a football player come into your territory and do it better than they are. This brought to you by somebody who has no in-between-the-ropes and picking up a live mic in front of thousands of people. Um, Yeah, I'm currently sitting in a room talking to my dog about pro wrestling. So, that's, uh, that's where that third comparison comes in. So, that's the outside looking inward. McAfee's great. McAfee's team took the loss here to not my surprise. I thought the Arab boys were going to come out strong and stronger than ever. Kyle getting the win, I thought was major. I thought Adam Cole pinning McAfee would have and could have been the way to go. Would have been the predictable way to go. But McAfee kicking out of the Panama Sunrise. What another moment worth highlighting in this match. So, Kyle shining like a diamond. Roddy, Bobby, doing their thing. Bobby Fish, hope he recovers quickly. I hope anybody's rough and tough bumps through uh, through that War Games matchup. I hope everybody got their ice packs and is doing all right because no matter who you want to win, still people out there putting their bodies on the line, still diving off of stuff, still diving through tables and specially marked tables for the Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era getting their own Marked weaponry in the War Games matchup. Another point, curious, most uh, most curious about. That wraps things up for War Games. If I missed anything and anybody still you're adamant about a point that I might have glossed over or not dove deep enough into, reminding you about the Twitter again at podcast underscore uf at c d a n n y m a c. If you want to get at me on the personal. As well, I'll talk wrestling on either or both my accounts, maybe even switching back and forth at times. Moving on, 
December 9th edition of NXT Television. Finn Bauer starting off the show. You better start talking about the Prince. The Prince is back and he's starting things over. Team sports are over. The champ is back. And who wants some? Finn, to put that in a more complex feature than anticipated, I'm sure, multiple people are interested in the NXT Championship. Shocking, right? NXT Champion comes out, calls out an ex-opponent, and more than one person's in-ring music hits? Oh boy. Quite the talent pool waiting to take on Finn Balor. Not rattling off my notes for each guy, rattling off just the names here. Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly, the man who took Finn Bauer to the absolute limit and broke his jaw. And Damian Priest. Quite the field. Damian Priest firing his own arrow across the bow after coming up short for the North American Championship. Probably puts him at my least favorite at this time. However... Dunn versus Bauer. Mm. Chef's kiss. Beautiful match. That's what I want to see. A O'Reilly and Bauer rematch. Down the line. Down the line. Give me Dunn versus Bauer first. But I might have to settle for Dunn versus Dane first. Pete Dunn would get into later confrontation issues with the Belfast beast. With the beast of Belfast who he... Uh, either way, easier for me to say. Easy for you to say, too. Pick a nickname. Beast of Belfast, Belfast Beast, the alliteration is there. Just like his head was in between a door and the uh, and the seat of, I believe it was an Escalade, it could have been a Tahoe. Any big car guys out there, reach out and let's get to the bottom of what door hit Dane in the head. Dane swears that this is not over. So maybe Dunn has a bigger obstacle than our NXT champion to deal with at this time. Balor would leave this debate between these three gentlemen. Says it's Regal's job. He's going to defend his title at the upcoming January 6th edition of New Year's Evil. A very special NXT TV. He's given the title shot. It's Regal's job to determine who and how. But as Balor would exit, Scarlet. The Harlot. Mentioned Karrion Cross and the Vulture earlier. Scarlet would appear. Tick-tock. Finn shows no fear. When Cross is ready, the Prince is ready. And Damien Priest, also ready for Karrion Cross, says Cross can step to him like a man. And Cross would do a little bit more than step up. He would step over. I'll get to that in a little bit. Jake Atlas versus Swerve Scott moving into action for the Cruiserweight division. Great match. Came down to the absolute wire. The counter for counter cradles. Atlas would come up victorious. Way to go, Jake Atlas. Jake Atlas, string of victories. Post-match, fired up interview with McKenzie after a huge win over Tony Nese. Atlas, stock goes up. Isaiah Swerve Scott, however. Swerve means confidence. But is Swerve losing confidence? 
Isaiah Swerve Scott not happy with the fact that he did not kick out of that last counter by Jake Atlas. Atlas extending his hand of sportsmanship and Swerve with a look and a mean mug that I have never seen before on this man's face. He's angry, but anger could also be a cover for losing faith in yourself. You could be angry at your opponent for getting the best of you. You could be angry at yourself for not preparing better. Swerve hasn't been on the right trajectory since coming up short against Santos Escobar. And while Atlas continues to rise, Swerve, in a swerve of events, might not have the confidence to step up to the champion again if he can't get a win. I like Jake Atlas, though. I like Jake Atlas. I like this cruiserweight division. I like the stranglehold that Legado del Fantasma seems to have on it as well. I'm not watching 205 Live like I used to, so I really wish I can speak to this division a bit more. I know Kurt Stallion is number one contender. An evolved talent who I've had my eye on a couple times. Seen him in a couple great matches. But... I don't know. Fantas- I don't see I don't see Santos dropping the title yet. I see the inevitable confrontation between Escobar and Jordan Devlin. I see Devlin coming up short because of the outside factors of Legado del Fantasma. I see Devlin reassimilating himself into NXT UK and I see Santos Escobar being recognized as a long-reigning champion and the true champion in a matchup as Cruiserweight champion. That's where I see the future division. I don't see anyone stepping up and taking the title, but I see a lot of people stepping up and having great matches with our reigning champ, Santos Escobar. I mentioned Tommaso Ciampa calling out who he referred to as the squeakiest wheel getting some grease here. That is Cameron Grimes. And uh, I think it's the wrong time for Cameron Grimes to lose more. Kind of dove into that. Coming off a rivalry where he's looking like a fool. Yelling and screaming about zombies. And being scared of Dexter Loomis. I don't think the man can afford to lose to such another high profile superstar. Like Tommaso Ciampa. In that same vein. Ciampa not needing the win. I went in on this already. Let's move on. Let's move forward. Let's move forward to something else that needs a lot of conversation and shaping up, folks. The NXT Tag Team Division. Our defending champions unable to find success in war games. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. But we're also kind of unable to find some suitable competition for these two men as well. Especially babyface tag teams. Undisputed Era. Just recently, outside of Fandango and Tyler Breeze, Breezango, the division's a little lost, but these three teams are great nominations to help it kick it up to that next gear where it once was again. Grizzled Young Veterans, James Drake and Zach Gibson. One thing I have noticed and I think might be part of uh, part of health and safety protocols 
No taking off your shoes when Zach Gibson is out in the ring. Uh, I think stand-up, if you hate Gibson, should still be acceptable, but I think everybody, for the sake of uh, particles flying about, let's, uh, let's keep our shoes on when Zach Gibson is out, but let's keep that heat up, because Zach Gibson, one hell of a talent. James Drake. If James Drake gets ever singles spotlight, and I'm going to make a reference that is a little dated and over a few people's heads, probably, but I hope it makes somebody laugh out there. I think if James Drake ever gets a singles rivalry, they need to reintroduce the idea that rivalries over a Japanese shampoo commercial can happen again. Give that a moment to sink in. Okay. Reference there would be Edge versus Booker T from WrestleMania 8. I'm going to say 18 with confidence and also meaning it could have been uh, 19. I believe it was the WrestleMania 18 match. Do not quote me on such things. What was I? James Drake's hair, Zach Gibson keeping your shoes on, Imperium. The crossover from NXT UK talents kind of started with Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. Uh, just introducing more great talents in the form of Grizzled Young Veterans and Tony Storm coming over. And these NXT UK 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 talents, easy for me to say, coming in to reinvigorate and add new talents to their respective divisions, like Tony Storm has done in the women's division, which was already stacked. Grizzled Young Veterans and Imperium are needed and welcome introductions to a tag team division that seems to be lacking. And the last team in this triple threat match, the team on the rise, it's ever rise. Ever rise. Oh boy. Uh Marcel Bartel and Barthel. My tongue and my brain were tied trying to wrap my head around everything going on with commentary possibly between one representation of Imperium versus the representation of Everrise. Uh anyway, moving to the actual match itself. Grizzled Young Veterans, the only team to get an entrance. Gee, wondered uh, wondered after that who would win this one. And as predicted, the Grizzled Young Veterans would win. They won a tight match against two other teams with the sickest-sounding finisher name, I think, going. At least in tag team wrestling, the ticket to mayhem. Goodnight Express is pretty good. Shatter Machine is going to be my all-time favorite. Shout out to the boys in the Revival FTR. But as of right now, where it stands in the full present landscape of wrestling, Ticket to Mayhem, the most badass finisher name, especially in tag team wrestling. Big win for GYV. I'm hoping they step up and we get an actual fight between Oni Walken and Danny Birch. I don't see any possible way where there's a babyface and, te- and a heel team in there. I see four guys who just want to beat the piss out of each other in a heel fashion. So it'll be a fun match to watch, but no way to really invest in character. Just my personal take, unless the Grizzled Young Vets somehow manage to turn stand-up if you hate Gibson into stand-up if you like Gibson chance. 
two heel teams colliding over the titles is what I see in the future. Next up, we have the War Games recap. Covered that a little bit. Raquel Gonzalez looking like a star, as she should. Tony Storm getting her own chance to interview, and uh, it would end in chaos in the Capital Wrestling Center with our current women's champion, Io Shirai, who has no pr- no problems with Tony Storm, but doesn't like Tony Storm. So maybe we see Io Shirai versus Tony Storm at some point down the line as well. Raquel Gonzalez, Raquel Gonzalez is the number one contender to watch right now, folks. She's the real deal. Star-making moment for her in that War Games cage. All right, Cameron Grimes to the moon. Even though he's buried underground, he's going to the moon versus Tommaso Ciampa. And much like Ciampa took a seat for Thatcher's match against Kushida, Champa got a front row seat to watch Thatcher tap out to Kushida. Thatcher took a seat to watch Champa pick up a W. So one of these things is not like the other. The stare down and the look of intensity, is it mutual respect? I do not write off the possibility of Tommaso Champa and Timothy Thatcher being a tag team after all this. Once upon a time, our current NXT tag team champions were put in a series of matches against each other and built a bond out of it and are now the unit we see before us holding that gold. Thatch and Champa, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I also wouldn't mind... I wouldn't mind seeing Cameron Grimes pick up a W here, but let's let's see where his next actual rivalry is. I'm hoping that it wasn't Champa volunteering the idea of having a rivalry against Cameron Grimes to shut his mouth. I'm hoping this was kind of the one and done. I picked up this W. Let's move Grimes on to something else, and let's see what Champa and Thatcher's chemistry ends up being, which is my biggest want and really my biggest takeaway. From this from this matchup. Something that I really can't get much of a takeaway from yet. Even though I'm liking the segments more and more, I can't really speak to them. It really it's just watch and absorb what you can. The more torture to Zioli and Boa. Whatever that debut is, I hope it's major. I hope it's a real deal. I hope it's a talent that we can have high high expectations for and also delivers. Moving on, though. Gargano Family Celebration. Indy and Austin Theory, honorary members of the Gargano Family. The Gargano Family in this form would shape way as the way. The new faction name as well as a mindset. Love the Mandalorian reference. It being Johnny Gargano and a brainchild of his, I am 0 out of 10 surprised. That is what it is. I like the idea of a Gargano heel-led stable because it's more... It's the major factor 
of Hill Gargano becoming convincing to me. If you're leading a stable and you're shooting your mouth off and you're hanging out with guys who look like Austin Theory with punchable faces, I'm starting to believe in Hill Gargano. Can he start being as good as his wife at being bad? We shall see. I'm going to take that. I'm going to leave that question, and I think I might also start a pool on the over under of how long Indy Hartwell is going to wear the uh, the neck brace. Maybe I'll uh, I'll get an over over under in a, in a week amount for uh, by the end of the show. I'll sit on that one for a little while. Uh, something else worth talking about in this. Gargano family, oh, something I, no, not, not the Gargano family, something I passed over during the Cameron Grimes and Tommaso Ciampa match was uh, a Mr. Tyler Rust appearing to be a student of Thatcher, but possibly a client for Mr. Malcolm Bivens. I've missed Malcolm Bivens on NXT TV. One of the few managerial pieces to the wide pro wrestling puzzle that is really missed right now. Indus sure not being on NXT TV. I think a build for that monster team in the division is also something that's missing in that division. So I don't know what's going on with them if it's if it's a case of injury or COVID or travel. Or a little bit of everything. Who knows? It's 2020. But get Bivens back on. Have Bivens sign talent and speak for them. And let these young guys do what they do best in the ring while acting like cocky little pricks. I can see it. That's what I want. Let's see what Tyler Rust says. Back to in-ring action. Don't want to spend too much time really on... uh, on this one, it was Bruiser Wade Pete Dunn versus Killian Dane, Beast of Belfast, the vengeance for the vehicle assault match. It's really nice to see Dane back in singles action as much as I love his tag team with Drake. Maverick, coming out to his own vicious music, no whistles. You could take that one as you see fit. I kind of want to see Killian Dane's personality expressed through his music. When he's going in there as a singles competitor. And let's save the team dynamic feel music for when the team dynamic is actually present. Uh, Dunn is looking to redeem a War Games loss here. And he certainly does in breaking down the larger opponent. Dane and Dunn both looking trimmer and stronger. I noticed a really important note here. Just taking a look at the athletes each respective health. I think uh, I think Dane is looking a bit trim and really swelled, and Pete Dunn's looking vascular, and I don't know how that dude is vegan or what plants he's eating and working out with, but there's there's something about Pete Dunn when he made that return, accompanying Kyle Riley and smacking him with a steel chair. Dude is jacked right now. Uh, Dane would be distracted by the outside assaults. By Oni Larkin and Danny Birch. 
McAfee's men not disbanding just because War Games is over. This faction does still exist. Maverick with a steel chair as that third man in his book. Not fending off. Not preventing Pete Dunne from hitting the bitter end and landing the W over Killian Dane. Some, some things you just don't get vengeance for. Some assaults, that team is just going to walk out on top. I don't know if this... It doesn't feel over. I don't think it's over. I think there might be some redemption for, for, uh, for Dane here. But I think Dunn being able to walk around, like I just put down a larger man, not just by assaulting him in a vehicle, but I also beat him in the ring, can do a lot more for the War Games rebounds than continuing this rivalry can. But it won't. We'll see some combination of a tag team match taking on Killian Dane and Drake Maverick, presumably our NXT tag team champions, Oni Orkin. And Danny Birch. Speaking of partnering up for tag team matches, uh, the Gargano family walking around as uh, as Gargano walks around with big bloated head, and Austin Theory walks around with his Austin Theory face, and Candice Gorey and Indy Hartwell are the mean girls on the NXT campus at the moment. Leon Ruff. Leon Ruff cutting a promo with very little, if not no words, on TV. Damian Priest, a victim of assault by uh, by Karrion Cross earlier in the evening after, well, I don't know if it was because of the Gargano family or if it was because of his own speaking, but Damian Priest would be the catalyst for Karrion Cross returning to NXT TV. And uh, TikTok, time's up. Cross taking out Leon Ruff's presumed tag team partner for next week. Kushida stepping up to the plate. Kushida already has a history against Austin Theory. Probably wants the North American Championship for himself and would have a great match against Johnny Gargano. Yeah, Kushida and Ruff versus Theory and Gargano next week on NXT TV. And yes, it did just kind of seem like I glossed over the return of a former NXT champion in Karrion Cross. I'm happy he's back from injury. Um, obviously, we wanted to see where his reign would have ended up at this point, but also what would have Balor been doing for the last few takeovers if not having killer matches with Kyle O'Reilly and uh, and suffering a broken jaw for six weeks. Karrion Cross is going to pick up steam here in a really great rivalry against Damian Priest. Damian Priest looks and feels main roster bound already. I said this in the predictions for war games that I think he was going to go up. But I think having a match against a former NXT champion like Karrion Cross and Karrion Cross's past actions already have kind of set a precedent for this already. His first match at a takeover against Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa was, off, was on the shelf and off TV for weeks after that. 
Karrion Cross versus Dominic Dijakovic on NXT TV when he was feuding with Keith Lee over the NXT Championship. We know what happened to T-Bar Dijakovic since then. He's on Raw. He hasn't been seen on NXT. Cross assaults you. He puts you out of action. He could put a hex on you, preventing you from returning to NXT for weeks, or just you don't return at all. I'm hoping he doesn't face Damian Priest just for Damian Priest to join Retribution and be called Archer or Arrows or Quiver or, I don't know, something stupid like that. I'm talking for over an hour. I'm not going to fantasy book something I don't want to happen. Um, I'm happy that Cross is back. It doesn't need to go straight up against Finn Bauer right away. And if this rivalry or if this match can be the vehicle that moves Damian Priest up to, not up, over, over, left to right, not up and down, to SmackDown, I think it's possible. I think it's something to, uh, I think it's one to think on. I think Priest's main roster looks ready. I think he's talk ready. I think he's, uh, I think he's got star power. Sincerely, a fellow person who lives in New York City. Main event time. Closing things out with the aforementioned greatest women's division on earth, Raquel Gonzalez looking to keep her momentum going with a pinfall over NXT Women Champion Io Shirai, taking on Ember Moon. Ember Moon made Raquel Gonzalez look like sacks of money. Sacks of money in this match. The selling that Ember Moon did, the look on her face when she was unable to move this larger opponent, the look on her face when all of her best offensive quick maneuvers were being countered by the overwhelming power of Raquel Gonzalez. Gonzalez looking too strong and countering everything early on and just imposing her will on Ember Moon. And it was because Ember Moon did such a great job of making it look as such. There's, It takes two to have a great match. Ember Moon was trained by Booker T, one of the very best, as I say, as a very biased WCW fan. But amazing job by Ember Moon making Raquel look great in this matchup. Ember Moon, to her own right, would be able to pull off some daredevil moves on the larger opponent. Not all would pay off, as she would be caught from the air mid-eclipse. But some of her high risk would redeem her high rewards. But the biggest reward would come in the victory for Raquel Gonzalez over another. Not the current, but a former NXT Women's Champion in Ember Moon. Major, huge display of strength. One-armed power bomb. One, two, three. Raquel Gonzalez train keeps on rolling. I wonder if that's somebody texting me about it. No, it's, it's work email. 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, folks. Gonzalez continues her momentum. 
Tony Storm would make her presence known, already voicing her displeasure with Ember Moon. Rhea Ripley would look to even such odds. And we get that Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez stare down this time around. Ripley versus Gonzalez. Go back to the earlier thesis in this episode about putting two women's matches on that takeover card and see the end of this NXT episode but instead see Rhea Ripley holding the NXT Women's Championship while locked eyes face to face with Raquel Gonzalez. You see it? Good. As much as I want to see that match take place in the future, again, Rhea Ripley should be NXT Women's Champion at this point. Should've, would've, could've, but what we did and what did happen, as a matter of fact, was we got a great takeover again on December 6th in the form of War Games 2020, and we got a very interesting and great episode of NXT television on December 9th. We keep things moving between now and New Year's Evil taking place on January 6th, 2021. I think right about here, folks, Team NXT, I think it's I think it's going to end up being a holiday hiatus. Work is picking up as it is, and I really... I need career focus at this point. That's why I wanted to put out some content a little bit sooner after NXT television this week rather than try to push out something on the weekend and try and get multiple projects on multiple weekend schedules. I think I'm going to close things out for 2020 with War Games and the Fallout. I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to be consuming wrestling content. I'm still going to be live tweeting and wanting to discuss NXT. So if you're a fellow podcaster out there and you want a guest to discuss NXT, this could be somebody asking for my presence now. Not not quite. Um, I'm available. I want to talk about NXT. But promising and under-delivering on my own brand is not an option. And I would rather sum things up on a high note with a lot to anticipate between now and that New Year's Evil show. And I can discuss how everything got to that point. But I'm closing things out. 2020, high note. Takeover War Games. Big success. Great conversation. One thing I want to give a major shout out Two is another podcast. If you're not listening to the Comedians of Wrestling podcast, you need to do such things. It not only features the man with the most viral stand-up about professional wrestling, Dan Black, but it features an arraignment of passionate wrestling fans featured as regular guests on the show as well as a community of great people on their Patreon. 
So I haven't introduced any ways to really support me financially other than a few t-shirt campaigns. So if you're a fan of my work, interact with me more by joining their Patreon, if that makes any sense. Because I had a great post-war games interaction with Dan Black himself and the supermark Nick Tulo and the nasty boy Alex Newman. Professionalism at its finest, great fans, passionate fans, dissecting wrestling topics to an unhealthy degree. Check it out. Check it out. Comedians of Wrestling at Cow Podcasts on Twitter. Now that I've plugged another show, thank you guys for 2020. I know it was a more sporadic year. For content, and it probably should have featured way more episodes than it did, but just um, gesturing to the general world around us. Putting things out took what it did. Um, the podcast train will never stop completely, but it'll be a little while in between stops. And this year was just a culmination and the biggest example of the many times that I've done this with this show. But I love doing it. I don't see myself ever just saying, I don't feel like doing a podcast anymore, but I want to do this show when I feel I can deliver it to my best ability. And after a great event like War Games and a great week of NXT TV, this is a high note. I'm ending it for 2020. We know we're coming back. 2021 New Year's Evil NXT TV. January 6th. Is going to be a great evening. And somewhere between the 6th, 7th, and the 8th, I'm going to be recording content about it. And let's see what twists and turns and ideas I can come up with for that episode of this show between now and then. But between now and then, please talk to me, folks. At podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. If you didn't hear it once, if you didn't hear it twice plugged in the course of this show, there's your chance to go follow at podcast underscore UF. Help me get to 1,500 before the end of the year, please. That's the current goal on social media. Um, not sure about Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word on the Instagram, but follow C-D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-C on my personal Instagram. I'm going to start showing a bit more of the uh, podcast plug um, on the on my stories, I'm going to start showing screen caps of NXT and plug in new episodes. And the SoundCloud link is always featured in the bio. So uh, follow my personal Instagram accounts. Probably uh, probably your best way to go if you want more visual, picture based social media content. Facebook page exists. Maybe instead of not being able to find the login for. Instagram, I should take the effort that would have went into Instagram into building up the Facebook page more. But give me a like on the Facebook page and uh, yeah, something to build from there. Great social media marketing there, Dan. No matter how, when, where you're listening to this show, thank you for listening at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, which is my personal choice, lastbox.fm, Blueberry. I know it sounds like I'm just making up podcast services at this point but i promise you they all exist and my soundcloud rss feed is picking them all up soundcloud is my most popular link for personal advertising the show thank you no matter how when and where you are listening to this but until next time 
Folks, I hope you round out 2020 on a high note like I'm trying to wrap up this show in 2020 on a high note. I hope whatever goals you did manage to set for this year, you achieved them or you made small steps. Just keep going. Just keep going. Put those pieces together. Keep your head down. Keep up the hard work. It's mentally tough for a lot of us out there, but you got to keep your head up. Pro wrestling, perfect distraction for when life is kicking you down. And when you need discussion about the thing that distracts you for even more of a distraction, I'll be here for that. Talking the black and gold brand of WWE NXT. I'm your host, CD, Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice for NXT discussion. The man with a PhD in NXT Thank you for listening to episode 118 of that UFP show all about the NXT show, the longest running independently produced NXT podcast available, the undisputed future podcast. Enjoy the rest of your 2020, try your very best, and I will talk to you for New Year's Evil 2021. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. I hope everybody stays safe.